All right, friends, excited to have a good friend of mine joining us here on the podcast, Emily Denny. Good to see you, Emily. Hello. So we, uh, we have, Emily and I have been um, working at the same mortgage bank for a while, and she actually is, is here with me at Benchmark Mortgage as well, was with, uh, with me at the previous shop. And you've been serving the Prescott area or working in mortgage in the Prescott area for a long time now. How, lo- how long has it been now? So next year, April will be 10 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. And, and running <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, a lot of, it is a tough market out there for, for loan originators and someone that's 10 years in the business, you've seen a lot of cycles already. Um, and so I guess I'm excited to chat with you. You know, we talk with a lot of realtors and other community members on this, uh, but I'm excited to talk with, with one of my peers here in the mortgage industry, uh, but before we dive into too much of the market fun and everything and the cycles that we're in right now, um, I want to uh, to just get a quick download so people have a feel for who Emily is. Um, you just had baby number three a little bit ago, right? Four month old. Four month old. So you are in it. <laughs> With, what are the ages of the kids now? So Abby is four, Lexi is three, and then Lainey is three, uh, four month old. Four, th- Okay. Gotcha. Hands full, hands full yeah. for sure. And I know everyone would always like, cause you know, I, I wanted to talk, I have four and we'd always get that judgmental look from people in the grocery store. They're like, you guys have your hands full. And we're like, yep, we sure do. Like, I don't know. So are you getting a lot of looks at, at three? Cause three is like the new nine, right? Yeah. They, everyone told me two is two and three is 30. And I totally agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Is Lainey, is she a pretty good baby though? She's great. She already sleeps through the night, which is phenomenal. She's off to the races. I really can't complain. They're all good girls. I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. And then, uh, is, is far, well, and then husbands, you got a working husband there. Uh, Dylan's running his own excavating company, right? Is it still excavating now? Yep. And there are all the trades up here are just like crazy, crazy busy. Is that what you're seeing there as well? Yeah, absolutely. And so kind of that balance of, you know, so much of what we do is self-employed. Like we're, we're operating our own teams and our own branches. And then from that other side, from his business, kind of operating that. So there's a lot of moving parts in our lives. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and, and uh, let's, let's get maybe back back to what brought you into mortgage. This isn't, I was, I was talking with someone today. I was like, you know, when you're in kindergarten and they're like firefighter, police officer. And I was like, I was not the kid saying mortgage banker. I had no idea that this even existed. Um, what, what got you into it? So I was actually enrolled in classes to start at ASU to be a middle school math teacher. That was like my calling. I like loved math. Math is, I like that math is consistent. Like it has rules and it always follows the same rules. And I really wanted to be able to help people. And so I was like, okay, I should be a teacher. Like, this sounds great. And I was looking for a part-time gig before I went down to school. And I had a friend of mine who was a realtor and was like, hey, I know someone who's a loan officer and they need like a receptionist. Like, maybe that'll be good till they go to college. Like, well, that sounds fun. So I called up and I got hired there. And within about two months, I was like, okay. Maybe I, you know, I want to be a math teacher. Maybe I want to be able to help people love math, but do it a different way. And so I canceled all my classes at ASU, 
returned all the books, did all the things, and stuck with mortgage ever since. So I was 18 when I made that decision to stay in the mortgage industry, and I've been doing it ever since. Love it. I I couldn't help but draw the similarities from math, middle school math teaching to mortgage, as it does. I mean, a lot of things, you know. like if you do two things, if you can help people understand numbers and turn things in on time, <laughs> you're good to go. Oh, no. It's a little harder than that, but yeah. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. And uh, and so, man, as far as let's kind of dive right into it, though. As far as and I've had a lot of people like have talked to me about my job. Like they did when I I had my dad pass this last spring, and they've they've said the same thing. And I'll, I'll say not to make light of that situation, but like when they say like, "How are things going?" Like when they're talking yeah. about mortgage, they're like, like the you know, "Are you are you okay?" Yeah, it's the same sentiment. I'm like, it's are the, okay? the mortgage. The industry is not dead, right? I mean, it, it's quiet. It, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like lowest pre qual since like 1992 or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so how are you feeling on everything? I feel like we're very much like as a team focused on positivity. Like everybody out there is like, this is awful. This is horrible. And we're like, let's take what we have here. And how can we make it positive? So this is a time I was just talking to the client yesterday. He has an 812 credit score. He's been at his job three years. He works at a bank. He makes a moderate salary. And his pre-approval amount was $160,000. No debt, perfect credit, no down payment. 160,000. And he was like, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, you know what? (laughs) We got to think about that for a second. So I think it's the positivity there. So it's taking the time to educate people that yes, although this market is hard because there's not a lot of people buying, it's hard for the people who aren't buying because there are people who want to be able to purchase a home that aren't qualifying for the sales prices that are out there right now. So how can we take that moment and make it an educational moment? So focusing on like, how, how can you be saving more money or what kind of sacrifices can you make? A real estate agent, Bailey and I have been talking about like, you know, those people who graduate high school and then they're like, rush to get an apartment. They're like, wait, <laughs> like if we could backtrack, we would stay at home five more years and we would have saved our down payment in those five years when maybe we didn't have to be making a rent payment or a deposit payment to our mom. Like, or to a landlord versus living with at home with mom and dad. So there's just some of those yeah. kind of sacrifices that we've been talking about. And then just being positive and prepared. You know, they we were reading something the other day that Redfin came out and said, as interest rates decline 1%, 5 million more people are going to enter the market. So like what an opportunity that's out there. And do we have our clients prepared, educated, and ready that when the interest rates are where they qualify, that they can make that competitive offer. Yeah, and I, I saw this uh, this little meme that uh, one of the ways that people feel stuck is because they worry too much about things that are outside of their control. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, people, there's a lot of folks that live with this comparison. We're comparative creatures by nature, and so I get it. I don't fault anyone for for initially easily falling into that. Um, and, and one of the things that I've been telling people is, you know, I've, I've bought homes over the last decade and, and I could be a dumb buyer and a dumb investor. Yeah. You could literally just 
pick on the Zillow map what you, so I shouldn't support them, but yeah, you could just pick on the map which property you want to buy, you know, call up your lender, get a great, fantastic, you know, never before seen 30 year low interest rate or something and, uh, you know, be cash flowing and, you know, boom, there you go, right? And, and so I just think it's, it's folks that compare to that and think through that, you're just going to end up being frustrated because you are going to have to be even, you know, despite when interest rates normalize, you still are going to have to be a lot smarter and a lot more savvy to be a homeowner this next decade, in my opinion, than the last. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I definitely agree. And knowing the steps to take and being prepared that it's not going to be as easy as maybe some other people make it seem. I like where you're saying, like, don't compare it to somebody else's situation. Because yeah. the one thing we always talk about in this industry is it's always changing. The the new cool thing to do, the right way to do it, the house hacking this, like, all these things are constantly changing. And so you just can't, you can't be comparing. I have a client, she's building a house right now, and her cousin just bought a house. And the seller paid for a temporary buy-down. And my client who's building a house is going to do a refi. And she's like, well, I want to do that. I want the temporary buy-down. So I was trying to explain to her, like, well, the seller has to pay for that temporary buy-down in this circumstance. And so since it's a refi, like, we don't have that option. And so it was like this victim of comparison kind of thing. She was really frustrated that she couldn't take advantage of a buy-down. But then I'm saying, okay, but, like, let's look at the flip side. You have 35% equity because you built your home. Like, you have all these advantages. So, like, you're saying you can't compare apples to oranges, but it's tough yeah. in this day and age because you want to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And not to dig too much in that one, though, um, are you uh, looking at doing any type of lender funded buy downs? So it won't work for her situation, but we did check into okay. it. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, so, but like, and, and I just emailed a client today in that same vein of, I said, like scenarios and strategies are changing kind of on the daily. So you, you yeah. got to keep posted with me, right? It's not good enough that we spoke back in April and you think those things still hold water. Like a lot of, and, and I appreciate that. And I think you've, it, and I know I work with you fairly closely to know that you you definitely have embraced this to where, um, unlike you know politicians and other leaders that get stuck in a position, you and I can't afford to, right? Yeah. I was I was standing up in a in one of my uh, you know realtor presentations and and saying, hey guys, guess what? We you know and, and you know hindsight's twenty twenty on everything, but I was like, rates aren't where we thought they'd be. We structured certain you know certain educational points with clients and certain, you know, thought processes with clients in that belief. And guess what? We have to change that belief now yeah. and, and, you know, move on. And, you know, and a lot of people, hopefully, so my, my, my crew is definitely giving me the benefit of the doubt and just saying like, Hey, who, who would have thought and known, but um, yeah. And I loved how you got tactical with it. So yeah. and let's maybe, and I, I feel like lots of times I, I talk high level on this podcast, but let's maybe get a little really, really tactical there of like, rent you know staying at home and there's i don't know at least 12 grand a year that you could be saving right yeah. uh depending on your rental situation or you know 6 to 12 grand a year what are other ideas that you've been coming up with where people could could make some ground and and no it, this might not be buy a home in 30 days but if you don't get on that track it's not going to be in 12 24 36 months yeah, we've really been drilling home, like getting your credit as best as it can be, which really doesn't have to be a lot of things. Like 
We talk about the diversity of maybe having an installment loan, which I feel like at least 75% of the credit reports we pull right now have an auto loan on it. Um, and then just like a small couple small credit cards that we can manipulate those balances and really optimize the credit. So we just tell people to be smart with building our credit score while we have that time. The other thing that we're really talking to people about is like, who is someone that you may be able to buy this house with? Like we have um, some people we've done a couple loans for, we're working on our third one with them now that they, it's a group of three people that purchase houses together. Like they're living in the house, they're roommates, like they're great friends, they live together, they share expenses, like they're really helping each other out. And I think it's one of those things where if you have like a clear agreement, like real estate is an investment and it's overall a good investment depending on how long you're going to be in the home. And so that's something too, where it's like, well, I'm not saying that you have to go buy a house with somebody you're not comfortable with. Like we want you to be comfortable with that person. But do you have a couple people in your life that are kind of in the same boat as you that maybe is someone that you could own a home with um, or you don't purchase a duplex with and you can live on both sides? Like what are some ways that we can get creative with who you know around you that can help with those resources? I love that. Outside the box thinking on that. And I think one of the other I mean, less... Uh, less creative than your option as well. But one thing that we just ran with the client who was, they were wanting to buy, didn't have any established roommates though, that would, would, you know, that they'd be comfortable co-signing and being on and that type of thing. But it was very, very interesting when we ran the numbers at, you know, Hey, here's the house with enough bedrooms that you could be renting to roommates and, and, and in their mind. And we have, uh, is the rental market just like crazy hot in Prescott? Yeah. 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 So crazy hot here in Flagstaff. And so it's like, no, this is going to pencil really well. You know, you know, he pretty much knows it, but I'm like qualification wise and we're at the current interest rates. I can't get you qualified on your own. Um, you know, you don't have the roommate history and that, you know, there's very narrow guidelines for those listening that you can actually use roommate income for qualifying. Um, but if it's not a multi-unit, we can't use perspective. And so Emily knows all these things, of course, but, uh, and so, uh, but when we were talking to him, it was interesting where he's like, Hey, you know, my parents have really encouraged me to get into real estate and, you know, I've seen, and so the conversation came down to, well, if, if dad really wants to help, um, it's a cosign, yeah. right? Cobar cosign kind of situation. And what was cool about it though, is we penciled it out and said, you know, not exactly sure. Of course, don't know when my latest my latest is saying, I don't think it's in three months and I don't think it's going to be five years, but somewhere in between there, the interest rates are going to get good. Um, and, uh, but I penciled it down, like, you know, somewhere we, we've seen, you've seen this data too, and we've talked about it here on the podcast that, you know, normal, quote unquote, normal based on other indexes and is probably somewhere in the fives. So if we just penciled his, his mortgage in at a five, he would be able to qualify for that. And so it was very interesting to say, okay, yeah, on one side of things, that's, let's, let's wait. But just like you were saying, if, if waiting means I'm just picking, picking a different set of problems, right? I may have solved the rate problem, but I'm just picking now competition, bidding wars, price over ask, you know, cash crunch versus just debt to income and, and initial credit crunch. But what, you know, be able to explain to him, Hey, did, get dad to co-sign now you have a built-in refi, right? If I give someone a two and a half rate and it's like, I don't know if you had any of these, like the folks that came to you, that got a two and a half and are now getting divorced. And it's like, you got to get out. You can't, you know, you got to get a, a new loan to get one of you off. And it's just like horrible. So it's like, not only did you get divorced, but your mortgage payment's going up a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but it was like knowing that he had a built-in refinance because we're going to get to these lower rates and knowing that he doesn't have to get a raise. He doesn't have nothing in his life or picture has to change for him to take over that mortgage. I, you know, I think people need to kind of dig deep and say, hey, let's help out the kids a little bit too. Yeah. And I think too, like temporary buy-downs are huge right now. And I think they're an awesome opportunity, but I think it's really people understanding. So I've had two now that have the concessions to do a three, two, one. They have it negotiated like they're there. And they just can't commit to being comfortable with their payment changing $300 a year. And, you know, we talk through those numbers and how that all works. And I would say I'm pretty 50-50 with clients that are like, yeah, I get it. Like, but I, I, I'm not willing to gamble. Like, what if I hit year three? What if I hit year four? What if I hit year five and I'm at a $3,900 payment and my comfort zone is like 35? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And so I think that's important when we talk about buy-downs is really making sure. I always kept saying, like, when buy-downs first came out, like, I'm not going to be the person that someone wakes up on the 13th month and is like, darn it, Emily, like, you sold me that loan. Like, yeah. so really just being clear with someone, you know, there's the whole saying, like, date the right, marry the house. Like, the concept is there. Like, I am all for it. But the most important thing is, can you survive at the payment you have the next five to 10 years? Because people are going to have to stay in their home a little bit longer to have that equity gain. Like it's still coming. Like the equity is still going to build, but we're not talking about being able to flip in 12 months. Like we have been with those crazy prices. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, and, and we've talked uh, about this, you know, a little bit and I think it just uh, is something to continue. It's such a new product and it's, Honestly said, I think here for a limited time only, right? As, as far yeah. as, as we see the rates normalize, I don't think we'll see this as often. It's just with this, you know, a unique situation that really will be for a brief period of time, right? Where we'll look back and say, okay, from, you know, what, August 2022 through, we'll see 2024, hopefully sometime, right? Um, that uh, that cra- we were in this hyperinflation and, and crazy Fed that was running around with the chicken with their head cut off between treasury and fed here won't get into the politics too much here um but and and folks need to know that it's full qualifying right so you you can't you can't have bought if it was on that lower rate and it's it's fixed rates and i i think that is you know i i think the only thought uh, other thought that i had on that was people knowing um what can you be sure of right we can't be sure that you'll refi in a specific period of time um, you can be sure that that payment isn't moving past a certain cap because it's a 30 yeah. fixed rate, but you can be sure that your rent is going up. Yeah. Right. And, and that, you know, and I guess we can't necessarily be too sure right now that I, I guess I would go so far as to say, and I'm fairly confident saying this, but we, we can be sure that the market's not going to cut in half in prices, right? These yeah. prices aren't going down massively. Could we see a little more softening? I don't know. What do you think about the Prescott market? Have you guys seen, are you seeing a little bit you know, more price concessions, a little bit of movement on that? I would say so. I would still say pretty competitive as far as a high demand for the area, um, but more flexibility. And I think that a lot of that has to do with really good agents talking through, talking it through with their clients. I had a client that wanted to do a two, one buy down. We shouted it through. We broke out the numbers. They submitted an offer. And the listing agent called me and he was like, I'd be really honest with you. Like, I don't understand temporary buy downs. 
does this person, why are you asking me for this concession? Like, do they just not have the money? Like, talk it through with me. And I think the difference is, is we need really good agents who are willing to say, like, okay, maybe I don't understand this, but this might be a really great offer for my seller, and I need to understand it more. I love that. And so I think we're seeing that, where agents are like, okay, well, maybe I need to just ask why the concession, instead of assuming that the clients don't have the money. Because in some cases, the clients have the money, but... It makes, in most cases, makes the most sense for the seller to pay for that buy down. So how does that look? How does that work? What does that look like? And how can we make that work? Um, so we are seeing more concessions, people open their concessions for sure. And then the other side where you have agents that are like, no, if you want more than a thousand dollars in a fellow credit, like we're just not entertaining the offer. And I just think it, to some extent, you're not representing your seller the best way that you could be when you're not exploring those other options for them. I had a client make an offer on a property last week and, uh, or was talking about making, they actually didn't make the offer. They, they were talking about making the offer and I was talking with their agent who had talked to the selling agent and, uh, and the selling agent when the buyer's agent just said kind of wanted to prep them because the, the client was really only interested if they could do, um, get some, some very heavy concessions and, and, to use towards offsetting their closing costs as well as towards a buy down. So they were going to be swinging when it came to the concessions and wanted to prep that seller. Um, and so when they talked to the selling agent, the, the initial seller agent's uh, response was like, who does that? And I was like, man, you know, like you said, if you don't wake up ready for change to happen every day in this real estate market and think like, you know, this is not your 2020, you know, like Russian mafia negotiation on selling the house on saying, okay, who's willing to give me an extra hundred K. Right. Yeah. Um, no, you just, and, and the house is, uh, I should check, uh, what we're talking here, but I'm pretty sure that the house is still listed. Right. And so you gotta have a different perspective. Well, and, and before we move on too much from, cause there's so many different directions I want to take this here. I've queued off in my head as we've been talking. Any other, but I, I think it's so, and I love how your team, your team does such a good job of just nurturing. You're a very good nurturer, Emily. Um, but any other buyer ideas that you have and, and things that people need to maybe start thinking of, uh, you know, to be on track? I think getting in touch with a good like 12 to 18 months before you're thinking, I think is good. Like getting to know them, building that trust, understanding what's happening in the market, um, get, like learning more about the whole buying process, I think sets you up for more success when you're actually ready to buy. I think there's a good chunk of people who think they're ready to buy who aren't, but there's even a bigger chunk who aren't sure. And maybe they are. And so I think just getting in touch, like I always push that we have the option to do soft pull and that we have the option to do a soft pull with running through automated underwriting, because it's such an opportunity to be like, what are you risking? Like, what are you risking? It used to be like, come on, it's just a few points maybe on your credit report. Now it's like, okay, we're not even talking about points on the credit yeah. report being a possibility. So what are it was holding you back? There's no cost to having this consultation. Like, wouldn't you just feel better saying, here's my 12-month plan? You're not committing to a loan today. So I feel like that's what we're really focusing on is like, if you want to be a homeowner in the near future, and that could be a couple of years from now, like, what could we be doing today that's helping you down the road? And even if that's not, you're ready to buy today, like maybe we start saving a hundred bucks a month for the next five years. Like it adds up quick. And so those kind of things, just being prepared for them um, is really where we're at with our buyers. What do you charge for your consultation? 
Zero. <laughs> zero dollars. <laughs> and then I think Which, it's also like not only is it zero dollars, but you get you get that advocate in your corner. Like now you're like, hey, I saw this. We had a house come up in Preston Valley and it was an auction house. So it was not a foreclosure. It was somebody who owned the home but they wanted to auction it off. And that's something I've heard a lot about happening like down in Phoenix, but this was the real first one like up here that caught people's attention. So it was listed at like one 60 i think okay. but it, i think it ended up selling for like over three hundred thousand, which was the point like they want a lot of people to come in a lot of people to look at it a lot of people to make offers yeah. those kind of things but what an opportunity when i tell you i had 13 text messages 13 clients who saw that house pop up in that price range and were like tell me about this house what is the payment do i qualify it was a tough 13 conversations to say like this house is really worth like 275 plus like it's really not going to go for 160 but to know that you have that advocate in your corner so zero dollar consultation and someone that you can text call email and say hey i saw this what are your thoughts on that or hey what are your thoughts on the interest rate market or i have a question about my credit should i close that old pools card like you're opening yourself up to so much potential on top of just having a baseline of where you're at I'm going to put you on the spot here as well. Um, and I know it's, it's, it's an interesting market and everything, but on average, um, and you've been doing this over the last decade, on average, um, how many families a year are you helping? So I think our and, and not, not in pre-call, like closing, right? How many families a year are you closing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, closing. I think, I mean, if we take some of the big years mixed with the rest, probably about a hundred families a year. So why I bring that up is the, and I, it's been a while since I've seen the national stat, but um, I was just talking to some clients about that today is that the average uh, person is doing um, a real estate transaction every seven, you know, seven to eight years. So it ends up being that they might do anywhere from like, what is that? Like four to seven real estate transactions. Well, that's a buy, refi, move, whatever. Um, and so I kind of, as you were talking about that, and I couldn't help but think about like a marathon analogy. I'm not a runner, but if I was, if I was going to do a marathon, Emily, like I would find someone who's done all the, like all the time, done the course I'm about to do and, and far ahead of me, actually, like not just the night before, like I would be saying, Hey, what's the plan? What's the strategy? And that's where, you know, it used to be that home buying was like the all downhill marathon, right? You just like, yeah. you could wake up the night before say, Oh, I want to do yeah. this. And then you just like go rent it. And, uh, but now like I, you know, when people need to get expert advice and have that guide and that, like, you know, that Sherpa, so to speak of someone that's just going to say, Hey, I know this path and I'd travel it a hundred times a year. And so if you want to have someone guide you on this properly, I mean, it sounds like a pretty shameless plug for the, the Pilgrim Denny team. But you know what I'm saying is like, why would you not? And, and then why would you go to, um, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I have some resentment uh, where I think a lot of people like to disqualify themselves, right? They see what's going on on mainstream media. They hear about the economy, the high rates. They look on social media. They see all these different things and they think I am not able or not, you know, and maybe, you know, it may be the extreme word, but really not worthy. Like I can't, I can't afford houses anymore. Like I missed the boat and, and they just don't pick up the phone and take it upon themselves to connect with an expert. And it's, it's really, in my perspective, I think that there's probably, I don't know, 
I shouldn't make up. I'm, whatever number I make up right now is, is going to be made up. So it's like a massive, massive market segment that could benefit from buying a house now that's just not even engaging it because they just think that this is, quote unquote, a bad time. And they're not realizing you just are picking a different set of consequences and educating themselves on like, well, this set might not be so bad compared to the next set coming down the pipe. And like you're saying, if you're already feeling the if you already think you can't do it, then if you talk to an expert and they say, listen, you can't do it, then you're in the same boat, but at least you have the knowledge and the steps to take. But then if you're talking to an expert and they're like, hey, listen, $400,000 free wall, here you go, go find your house. And let's plan to refi you in the next 12 to 36 months into a payment that's maybe a little bit more comfortable than it is right now. Like now you've owned that home and you aren't racing with a 5 million other people nationwide to jump in and buy a house when we see rates at six and a half instead of seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't. I, yeah, I, it, it, it just blows my mind and how, uh, and I, I, as far as I was talking with, uh, with Mandy here, my assistant in the office and, and just saying like, I just, I, it bums me out the most that people aren't pre-qualifying, right? I get it if you're not wanting to pull the trigger yet, but, but I was like, I love to consult, right? That's what, that's why I love this job, right? Like I'm not into numbers as much as maybe you are. You're better with numbers than I am, I'm sure. But, uh, but it's, it's more like, I love to talk with people, identify their goals and identify, okay, where are we short or where are we, or are we short? Like you said, um, and knowing his power there for sure, for sure. Well, any other, um, any other hacks or opportunities that you're seeing in your market from your standpoint, then if someone were to like, what are, what are people missing there? I think it's probably just opportunity. Like looking at everything. I also think being prepared to purchase something, manufactured homes, that's a good one. You and I, <laughs> you and I have had this conversation. I think it's one of those things that I always say lending guidelines have never caught up to manufactured homes. Like over the last 60 years, manufactured homes have come a long way and it's still an opportunity. And I think one of the most common reactions I get when we start talking about price point is people being like, well, I'm not going to live in a trailer or I'm not going to buy a trailer. Okay, well, we're not talking about trailers that you have still have a hitch attached to and you're pulling across the street to a new land. Like, these are nice homes and a great opportunity for some that may be priced in a price range that you're available to. And it's something that you can purchase, you can live in, you can save for the next home and convert that to an investment property someday and keep that portfolio of real estate growing. So I would say that's one other thing that I've been advising people is don't just write off manufactured homes and say, I'm not going to buy one of those because they're super nice. They're well built these days. One of the biggest fears is that they're going to depreciate in value so fast, but they're going to follow the same dynamics of supply and demand. If there is a giant supply for homes in the $300,000 price range and the $300,000 price range has manufactured homes, then people are going to buy those homes, which means now those homes might be worth 310, 315, 325. I mean, supply and demand is what's driving, especially our markets right now. And so I would say don't sleep. Don't sleep on manufacturing homes. No, no. And then super, super cool. Um, I feel like we pioneered this a little bit. I gotta say, I feel like you and I pioneered this as well. Many, many lenders do not offer temporary bonding programs on uh, manufactured homes. Benchmark Mortgage does, which is super, super cool. What and uh and I was gonna say. Our dear folks from Presque listening to this, like just embrace what you got down there. Cause what's like a manufactured home. I know it's like, this is just super, super 
you know, wide variance on geography and everything, but what's kind of your price range on manufactured homes there in the area? Where you want to be, like if you want to be outskirts of Prescott, like maybe you're looking Prescott Valley, Dewey, Chino, I mean, you can get a nice manufactured home, 300, 350, depending on acreage. Gotcha. Yeah, Flagstaff, you'd be hard to pre hard pressed to find one under four hundred. Um, yeah. And we even have some if it's like if it's got a little bit of land to it and everything, you're going to be over you know over mid four hundreds. So, um, but case in point, like we have the same. I actually preach this all the time. I had some clients just close yesterday, and they had the home is only like eleven months old, manufactured home, like got you know beautiful cabinets, granite countertops, like it's and it's super super close proximity. Uh, like well located into town and that same home if it was single family like that's the only thing it basically categorically on how it was built and you know maybe a little bit of the, how the architecture of the house looks um like 200k easy 200k yeah. difference I was like, can you imagine like how long, like anyone listening to this factor, what your hourly is and think how long would you have to, just so you could say single family residence versus manufactured yeah. dwelling, like blows my mind. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, kudos to you if you want to work the extra couple of years, <laughs> but yeah, no. So yeah, single family. I like it. And then I haven't talked about this actually on the podcast yet, but the, the new multifamily rule, right. It used to be that if you were doing uh, two unit or more as a primary unconventional, you'd be 15 to 25% down. Right. And now it's 5% across the board on a primary purchase. Right. So we have, we have duplex, maybe a little bit of triplex. I haven't really seen a lot of fourplex here in Flagstaff. Do you guys have a lot of multi-unit down there? We do have a good chunk of, especially duplexes, and they're kind of sprinkled in areas where there's some single family. So good opportunity, especially, we have quite a few people who will live in half and then rent the other half out because yeah. um, there's tons of opportunity there. Yeah. And understanding to folks, um, if you are ever thinking of building a real estate empire, Typical down payments in this market is like 20, 25% down. So when you can get into your first rental property, your own home and the rental property for 5% all in um, is yeah. pretty killer. Um, and then with, now, are you guys seeing, uh, this is a little bit off the beaten path here a little bit. So obviously short-term rental market has changed the industry and changed, you know, the, it, we're not going to get into the, I don't care unless you care to go there of, of like all the, you know, the, the politics behind that and people that feel really sensitive one way or the other. But as far as that's just changed, you know, how you look at a property and what you can be making on it. Um, midterm though is super up and coming here in Flagstaff since we've seen, especially with a lot of how pandemic policies and, and the, the health force changed after the pandemic to where we have a ton of traveling nurses that will come up and do like, you know, three months, four months, five months at a time on a furnished rental. And they actually, in some situations, I've had property managers up here tell me that they're doing better in the short term with those midterms. Right. Um, are you guys seeing a lot of midterm there as well? I would say, um, I wouldn't say a ton, but it's definitely something we hear a lot. Like when people we have people looking at investment properties, I would say every single one says, we're really thinking about doing the traveling nurses thing. Like that's definitely a, a trend. <laughs> it's own category. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, that's what they're looking for. And I think it's an awesome resource if you're going to provide it. If you're going to have a furnished rental and you're going to do that, 
I think you have that stability of that little bit longer term of that rent coming in where you're not like turning over every few days, like a short-term rental. Um, and also going to a good cause when our nurses are trying to come and help with healthcare and need somewhere to live. I mean, I think it's a good, it's a good thing. We, I, we hear a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of, and, and recently kind of bring that up and just thinking of the vein of people needing to get creative and there's a lot of like mix match of like, hey, do we, I just think you have to be outside the box, right? If you grew up with this like cookie cutter home picture and idea, and this is what we're going to get, and this is what we're going to pay, like you got to question everything at this point in time yeah. and, and really dig deep. I mean, it almost comes into like life coaching that you're doing with people here now, like, what do you really want? And if what you really want is like that affordability point versus like the dream home, well, like, yeah, let's get that two unit property. Let's have someone else paying rent. Let's just like, let's pace it back a little bit and you can get what you want. You can have that, that, you know, that payment and affordability and you're a roof over your own head that you own and you can paint the walls anytime you want and tell the other people next door when they can paint or not. Right. Yeah. Um, and you just had to give away the, you know, this artificial kind of idea on what you thought you wanted. Right. Even multi generally multi-generational living I feel like it's another thing and we have client right now that's doing the same thing they have two houses in Phoenix um, and mom is going to move in with them and they're just looking for a little bit bigger of a house here like you're not even talking about these giant master suites like what is logistically the floor plan look like where everybody can kind of have their own space their own bathroom but be able to work together on affording a bigger home that you guys can all be a part of and so I think that's a big thing too, when it comes to like, um, comparison, like, wouldn't you love to be able to have the opportunity to have, to help a family member? Like maybe you have a parent who's on fixed income that can't afford rent going up again, or maybe, you know, you can combine forces a little bit. And in that case, be building equity and owning that home. Yeah. Had a client do that exact thing. It kind of cut me out of the deal, but it was okay. You know, it's like, hey, mom's going to sell the California house and we're just going to buy this one with the cash. So I was like, boom, best solution yeah. ever for you guys. And yeah, way to go. Way to go to string that yeah. one together, right? And so, yeah, I, I I love it. I think it is just a lot. You know, it's a lot of it. It's really checking ego at the door a little bit and being able to have these yeah. big conversations with friends, family, and just, you know, there, there's a way to solve this. And, and at the same time, I think a lot of folks might realize that, um, you know, is this town for you? Right. And, and if you want to rent forever, great. If you, but if you want to stay in these towns, I mean, I just, and I'm not trying to be like, um, alarmist with this. It's just a matter of, um, or, or have too much conflict of interest given the real estate I own in this, in this state of Arizona, but Arizona is an attractive state that's it's grown a lot, right? And you can find affordable. You just what's the drive to qualify, right? Like yeah. the Western states have seen some of the most appreciation over the last thirty years um, across the entire country. Do you ever share that chart with folks? Yeah, it's crazy to see. Yeah, for like four hundred thirty percent appreciation in Arizona, mm -hmm. I think is the number. Yeah, and it's like, hey, you know, like what is uh, not to call it like the Dakotas or anything, but like some of these other states are like, you know one to 200% over 30 years. It's like, no, you know, uh, I, I just think folks need to be real with themselves as well. I think that's another thing is like, don't think the things again, don't focus on so much things out of your control. Say, Hey, it's just going to get better in Prescott. The prices are going to come down. The rates are going to come down and I'll buy and get the same deal that someone else got five years ago. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. So just be real. Yeah. You know? And I think that's one thing too, that 
we try to tell people a lot, like we cannot tell you exactly what's going to happen. But when you just start looking at some of the facts we do know, I think what it always comes down for to me is supply and demand. And I think like when you look at it at its basic level, like when you have as many people as there are trying to move to this area and own real estate in Prescott, Arizona, in Flagstaff, Arizona, the demand is there. And we know that the supply is not like that is a fact. There's not enough rentals. There's not enough houses. Like there's, we understand that we're experiencing that, which is why we're typically having this conversation. Like, oh, someone sold my rental, or they raised my rent and I can't afford it. Can I buy? Like those are a lot of triggers pushing people into buying. And then the the simple the simpleness of supply and demand tells me that we're not going to see that house drop hundred thousand dollars to what you want it to be to buy it. So I always say, like, if if that house is hundred thousand dollars less, we've got way bigger problems in the world sure. than you buying that house for hundred thousand dollars less. And I think that's probably the best way. It's a little bit extreme, but I think that's the best way to think about it. Is the simple economics tell us that that house it may not go up fifty percent, it may not go up ten, it may only go up two, but I don't see it going down fifty percent either. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't bank on outliers, right? Yeah. Don't bank on outliers right now. So, well, awesome, Emily. This is always, uh, we're going to have to have you get on soon. It's, it's always fun to chat with you. Do you have, we've been jiving for a little bit, so I'll be respectful. And it is Halloween guys. So that's why Emily's yeah. in her Halloween t-shirt. That's not her typical, uh, mortgage, uh, attire in your console. But if you're more comfortable with that, you know, for the console, give her a heads up then she can uh, dress in skulls and black. Just kidding. Um, any other closing words, Emily? I don't think so. I did want to just preach something that I've been really diving into lately, which um, is my, one of my big goals right now, which is being 100% in on what you're doing. So I have a lot of people tell me like this morning, I went to a real estate meeting and they're like, oh, where's the baby? Like you just had a baby. Like you should have brought the baby. And one thing I've been really focusing on that I want to share and challenge others is whatever you're doing in that moment, like be 110% in. So I have figured out <clears throat> I can't be 100% mom and 100% loan officer at the exact same time. They're different hats. They're different brains. They're different things. And so I've been telling people, like, not the time and place to see the baby, but, like, maybe next time we'll grab coffee and the baby can come. But that's something I've been really, really preaching, especially to a lot of moms that reach out. And they're like, how do you do, like, it's always a thing. Like, how do you do what you do? How do you have three little kids? And run these businesses and it's like when your hat is on that you're a loan officer like you're at work you're helping people buy homes and you're accomplishing that and when you go home and you're a mom like then you're a mom we have those pieces put into play and so i think that's something that i challenge a lot of people to do like if you have a lot going on in your world like pick those little segments and be that person in that moment at that full amount and don't think about the other the other half of it it's i love that something Absolutely. Well, I love it. You're obviously someone that's uh, high on life like I am and tries to do it well. So uh, awesome, Emily. We appreciate you uh, being on the podcast today. Thank you.